0: You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're gonna talk about what is your mindset as a coach? Like, are you coming, are you coaching from a player mindset or from a coaching mindset? So if you're a a former player who is a coach, this is gonna be a great episode for you. And even if you're not a former player and you are a coach, but maybe you're doing certain things from a player mindset, this is gonna be a great episode for you uh, to listen to. So stay tuned. The Volleyball by Design Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 105 of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball, and it is officially off-season for many, many people. And I'm super excited to be able to help you guys start your off-season planning, your player development. I mean, it's a great time to be a coach. I hope you got to, well, I mean, get some, get a break, get a nice break and, uh, and then, get, you know, ramp back up when you're ready. And I know some of you are actually still in season as well. So if you're still in season, then uh, I'm not talking to you. You still focus on your season and get that done. But off season is a great time. I, I love off season. Now you may have heard, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, if you're listening to this anytime before June 15th, 2022, um, DVA's price is going up. Yeah, Digital Volleyball Academy's price, is, uh, it, it's, it's got to go up to keep up with demands. And all my prices have gone up significantly over the last little bit. And uh, the amount of value that I've added to DVA over the last two years, is uh, it's its massive. It really is. So if you've been on the fence, if you're a podcast listener, you've been on the fence for a while, uh, now is the absolute best time to get in because you're going to be locked in at this price for uh, for a long time. Uh, as long as you're a member of Good Standing. So definitely, definitely, if you've been on the fence, get on over to digitalvolleyballacademy.com and definitely get registered. I had a great, uh, we had a great live training last week where we talked about cue reading and decision making. So every every couple weeks, we're doing live trainings on great things and our members are seeing amazing, amazing results. And I can't wait to you know be able to do that for you too. So I won't, I won't talk too much about that because I know you probably heard my preamble at the beginning of this episode. But yeah, you got a couple days left. Depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this the Monday, they get a couple days left. But yeah. Anyways, um, let's uh let's talk some volleyball here. Oh, but you know what? Before I do, I wanna um I had a I had a new review actually. I'm trying to find it right now. Someone reviewed the podcast, which by the way, I appreciate more than anything. If you haven't reviewed the podcast, please do. Uh this person is awesome was it awesome greatness cute amazing from united states well thank you for that. that's a great name and they said this is so great five stars this podcast is amazing and so helpful thanks again for sharing all your helpful tips and hints for great coaching and strategies for players yeah no problem and thank you so much for leaving me that review i really appreciate it. i love reading the reviews and it gives me a chance to you know make sure that i'm, I'm, I'm on the right track here i'm doing what you guys want to hear and things like that uh have I introduced myself this episode? I don't think I have. Hey, for a new listener, sorry. If you are a new listener, my name is Coach Brian Singh, and I'm the host of this podcast. And as always, my regular listeners, you know, I appreciate you guys more than anything. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, well, today we are going to talk about mindset a little bit here. You know, are you coaching from a player mindset? And a lot of us, I feel, might be. I used to be. I used to be coaching from a player mindset. I'll tell you that. And it wasn't until you know I found a mentor and I started looking at the game from a different angle that my my coaching elevated. To be quite honest, um, and this this kind of this kind of advice applies. It, it, I first heard about this in in the business world. You know, where uh, a mentor of mine said, you know, are you thinking like a successful business owner, or are you acting like? not a successful business, a successful business owner, or rather, are you thinking like a seven figure entrepreneur or six figure entrepreneur or eight figure entrepreneur? Are you, are you making, Are do you have the habits? Are you making the same decisions they're making? Well, if not, then you, you, you probably aren't going to be a seven figure entrepreneur. And it, it got me thinking about our game. You know, are you making decisions as a player or are you making decisions as a coach? And I remember, you know, years ago, where when I would go into other coaches' gyms—mind you, I still, I still do—but this, I saw this a lot happen more, more so years ago. Is I would go into coaches' gyms and, you know, get a chance to look at their practices, and I would—the amount of times I saw coaches playing in games with the athletes was a lot. Now, if this is a one-off, that's okay right? If this is like a, you know, you have to play because of a certain situation, then that's okay. But when I saw coaches, every practice, when it's scrimmage time, they're playing. They're playing with their players. That, that, that is a little bit different. And that to me says that you're coaching from a player mindset than a coaching mindset, because you absolutely cannot assess your team effectively or efficiently if you're playing with them. It's just not going to happen. You have to be behind your team, looking, observing, seeing the game being played so you know when to address certain things, so you can give feedback to certain players, so you can see it from a macro perspective. You will not be able to effectively coach your team if you're playing with them. Now, like I said, if it's a one-off, no problem. You want to have some fun with your team, no problem. Hey, I jump in drills sometimes too. Well, I used to, not so much anymore. No problem. But that cannot be a a regular routine. So if you're a coach doing that, I apologize for calling you out, but you got to stop. You have to sit back and let your players play and you watch, observe, give feedback, coach, teach, you know, things like that. Uh, So that's what you got to think about that. So that's one. That's one thing, okay? The second thing is, is that athletes, normally you see this with, with, when athletes become coaches, a very, a very common thing happens is that, you know, if you're an athlete, you've been doing things a certain way, you have developed certain skills, a certain way, and you can do certain things a certain way. But that doesn't mean that every player can do those things that way as well. Every player is different. Every player learns differently as well. There are many different types of learners. There's kinesthetic learners. There's learners that learn better with audio. You know, there's visual learners. There's all these different types of learners, and understanding that is important. So just because you learn something one way doesn't mean everyone learns that way as well. And when we teach our players skills, strategies, tactics, all these great things, it's our job to teach it in a way that it's gonna be delivered to them so that they can retain that information. You know that they can absorb absorb it, actually be able to execute on that information, and not be frustrated by it. You know, I see a lot of times uh, coaches will teach an athlete how to do something and get frustrated when they can't do it that way. Now, not every athlete learns the same way, so we had to do a better job of recognizing that. And you're going to ask yourself, you're going to tell yourself, well, when I was playing, I could do this. Why can't you do it? Well, it's a different player. So just understand that everyone learns differently and we have to do our best our best to teach differently again now here here's a simple example okay if you're teaching a player how to pass i always use passing as an example on this pod but you know what it's just the easiest way to to to, to describe my point now if we're teaching passing how to pass or we're teaching a player how to pass you're going to have you know Maybe a couple, you're going to have steps, right? Last, I think a couple episodes ago, we talked about step-by-step instructions are always best, simple, concise, players can retain information a lot better. So you may say something like, hands together, thumbs in, wrist down, you know, elbows in, platform separated from body, things like that. So these are your step-by-step instructions. Now, when you're showing an athlete, a visual learner will see that and probably pick it up faster. Uh, a kinesthetic learner will want to learn by doing it they're going to want to do it themselves and see it and go and kind of go back right now there are other type of learners that might need to see it a second or third time so here is a simple strategy you can use to help everyone learn that skill in multiple different ways by not doing extra work one you can record that lesson if you, ha- if you have a significant lesson that you're about to teach your athletes that you know is crucial, important for them to know, then why not film that lesson? Film it and make sure your audio is good. If that means you have to wear a mic or if that means the camera is closer to your face, make make it be clear and film it. And here's what you do. You film it so everyone in the gym can see what you're doing, so they're going to learn there as well. Then you send that video to all your players as well, so they have they can go back and look at it a second, a third, a fourth time. They could potentially you can strip the audio from that video and just send an audio. So a lot of your a lot of athletes like to listen to podcasts or like to listen to audio clips. Guess what? They can listen to a five minute audio clip of you teaching them how to pass. So right off the back, we have now catered to multiple different learning styles by just filming it. And making it available in other avenues not just by you being present in a gym you could even put that video up on a private link on YouTube you can make it unlisted so your players can go back and watch it there's a lot of ways we could do it. you could type up uh you know those five steps and send that to your players now they have a written piece of instructions they can read see what do you see what I'm getting at by the way the fancy term for this is called differentiated instruction. Now, I am actually a, a surprised that this term and this, the, this conversation that I'm having with you is not practice more. This is the type of conversations that coaches should be having. Is, you know, and again, if you're a player, you're not thinking like this. But a coaching mindset thinks like this. And unfortunately, and this this may be unfair of me to generalize this, but in my experience, I don't see many people talking about this type of strategy I'm talking about right now at coaching clinics, at volleyball coaching clinics, and you know, when you when you when you listen to volleyball courses, no one's talking about differentiated instruction, and I think it's a big problem. We should be, because do you see how much faster your players can develop by just understanding this simple concept? And you learned it here today, so hopefully you can share that message, and. By the way, DVA members, you have an entire lesson on things like this. I go over all of it inside the Coach's Blueprint inside Digital Volleyball Academy. So inside DVA, these are the things that we're talking about. These are why our coaches are able to create much more better plans for their players to develop at a much faster pace because we're talking about these things. So having this is really important, okay? So, you know, every athlete's different. Stop Playing with your players, please, unless it's a one-off. Now, you know, a a player mindset is this. You know, when when you have a bad game, you know, like I'll use basketball, it's a great great reference. I always use basketball. When when a player has a bad shooting game, they'll go back up and they'll take more shots. After practice, after a game, they'll go get more shots, get more shots. As a coach, we can't we can't work harder in a sense of like physical work. We can't run faster. You know when in basketball, if you try to work harder, you run fast, you play harder on defense, you know, things like that. Volleyball doesn't work that way, and especially as coaches, we don't, it doesn't work that way for us. We have to be more tactical. We have to be, have better systems. We have to have better programming. Notice that systems and programming is a coach's mindset, not a player mindset. So our frustration, or if we have a bad coaching day, We, as coaches now, have a different mindset than athletes. We're going to go back and we're going to assess our system. We're going to assess our planning. We're going to assess our player development, perhaps. We're going to do all those things. Now, a player can go back from a game and look at film and go back and work on their game, sure, but we see it from a macro point of view. We see, well, how is that player affecting the game? How are they affecting the teammates? What what is it? We look at it from what what is their effect on the team, in addition so what is their effect on their own skill? Yes, but it's a bit more than that from a coaching standpoint. All right. Also, players don't seasonal plan. <laughs> coaches seasonal plan. Players don't do that. So we as coaches have to understand planning. Planning is an important part of our journey. Players are going to plan a workout for themselves, they're going to maybe plan a strength and training routine. Maybe they're going to work on getting more touches on the court and things like that. So they're planning for themselves. Coaches, you're making a seasonal plan for your program. How many games you're going to play? What how, what does your training camp look like? You know, things you've heard me talk about on the pod all the time. Managing your player profiles. What's a player profile? I guarantee you players aren't creating player profiles. Well, majority of them aren't. So we as coaches are creating player profiles. I guarantee you players aren't practice planning. We as coaches are practice planning, okay? Players aren't creating systems. We are creating systems as coaches. So you see the difference here? The mindset difference from a player mindset to a coaching mindset, okay? Now, I also want to address a a question that comes up is, from players that are transitioning to the coach, how do you get your players to stop seeing you as a player? That, that, that happens quite a bit, especially if you're a young, young coach. Players are going to see you as a player and then a coach. And here's what I, I tell all these types of coaches. Have a great plan because if you have a great plan, players are going to have to, they're going to follow that plan and that plan is going to be organized. It's going to be with a purpose. And because you have a plan that they're going to follow, you're all, you're, you're, you're being a coach. You're not being a player, being a coach. Okay. So make sure without a plan, it's like, what, what is the, what is the phrase you plan to fail? If you don't have a plan, something like that. You, you, you guys know the quote, just have a plan. Also focus on the transformation and results. You are results driven as coaches. So one thing that, um, uh, assistant coaches always tell me that her former players is, you know, the guys don't listen to me. The guys don't listen to what I, when I say that they're not taking me seriously. Okay. I say, first of all, don't try to be their friend because they see you as a friend. Try to be their coach. Give them a set of instructions. Now, by default, they have to listen to those set of instructions because you're the coach. And if they don't, they shouldn't be on the team in the first place. If they don't respect the coach's like instruction, then they shouldn't be there. And when you give them instructions, Make sure it's instructions that are going to result in results. That sounds really weird. But make sure it's instructions that's going to get them results. That's what I'm looking for. Because if they're going to get results, if you teach them something that directly relates to a positive result that they had, which will make them a better player, don't you think they're going to come back wanting more? And they're going to come back wanting more from you as a coach, not as a player. So... That's one thing that I used to focus on a lot in my young career because I became a head coach at a very young age. Many of you know that I never played college ball, pro ball. I never I never even played club volleyball. I played a little bit in high school, but I started coaching really young. I actually started coaching when I was in high school. I coached my local elementary school team because I just... I fell in love with coaching. I knew that that was going to be my path. And to be quite honest, I was a five-seven skinny kid. I knew I didn't have a career in volleyball. I was I was pretty real with myself back then, but I knew that I had the mind for the game. I knew I had the passion for the game, and I thought I thought I could be you know a decent coach someday. So, I I took I took a young coaching position really young, and I I, I focused on the results. That's what that's what separated me from you know other young coaches out there, I guess, and I gained the respect from the athletes pretty quickly when they started seeing results. So I didn't gain the respect right away, and fair enough, you know, I, I have to earn that. But I but here's one thing that I, I learned too: it's yes, you have to earn the respect, but if they don't give it, you got to demand it. And I demanded it with results. I demanded of them to be better, to execute what I was teaching them. And then they saw results, and then I got more respect, and then they looked at me as more of a coach than a player or a young person doing that job. So the goal here is results, and that is how you separate yourself from a player to a coach. Now, another thing I want to talk about is the line between coach and friend. Because this comes up a little bit, and I, I actually had to deal with this issue a little bit myself. And, you know, everyone is different. You know, there's a lot of different relationships that are formed between coaches and athletes. And it's it's true. We are in the business of creating relationships. That's what we do. We create everlasting relationships. And I want us to always remember that that is of utmost importance. It's, one, that you're delivering A program that is creating an experience for your athletes. And two, you're developing relationships with these athletes among themselves, in addition to yourself with them. So, what's the line? You know, there's always a question of what's the line between the coach and the athlete? Like, how do we keep it for, you know, coach, player, coach, player, instead of that, you know, the gray area of friends? And again, here is the thing you can be their best friend. You can be. There's nothing wrong with being their best friend as long as the relationship stays that you're the coach and that you don't let that cloud your judgment when you make decisions and you treat that player with respect to others. So I can give you an example. I coached one of the best players in Canada. His name is Daynon Gemma, Daynon Kofi Gemma, three-time All-American at UCLA. He is now a professional artist. Signed with Red Bull Records, and he has a fantastic music career ahead of him. Ironically, he had two talents: uh, music and volleyball, and he chose music instead of volleyball. Which I remember at that time, a lot of people were so surprised. But you know, that that's Dana's passion, and and yes, he could have absolutely pro uh, played professional volleyball. He played for our national team. He was a great great player. Uh, and he could have played volleyball at a high level. Absolutely, he still can. But he chose his passion. So, anyways. I digress. Danon and me had a very, very, we still do have a close relationship up to today. And when he was coaching club, he would, we would, he would call me all the time. He would come over and look at film. He would, uh, you know, we, we would, we would, we, I would take him out with me sometimes to go look at university games and things like that. And here's the difference is I would have done that for anybody, any player that wanted to look at film with me. I was like, yeah, come on over. We'll look at film. Any, I offered it to any player who wants to go to university games with me, watch things, no problem. I was very transparent. I also had a great relationship with parents, and they understood that I was his coach, and I was, and I was a, an authoritative leader figure in his life with influence that was in a positive way, and I was able to do that. And that line was never crossed because I treated him the exact same way I would treat anybody else. And that is what you have to ask yourself anytime you're talking about that line between coach and friend. As long as you're not, fa- like you're giving him favoritism or her favoritism, as long as you're held- holding him accountable, and I held him accountable. Do you actually, funny story, it wasn't until his 18U career, 18U, that he told me, he's like, Coach, do you know you never say anything nice to me? You're always just telling me what I need to do to improve, and I was I was so hurt because it was so true. I was so sad, actually. Not hurt. I was sad because this kid was the one of the best players in the country, and even him, I should have given him way more validation. I didn't give him any validation at all. I was always saying I would never say, "Hey, good job," or "Good hit," or "That that's a great play." I would because when he does it, it was like. I just knew he was going to do it. I, I sort of expected that from him, you know? But he told me that one time when I was getting on him on a game, and he's like, You've never said anything positive to me or nice to me. It's always been, How can I improve? And I'm like, You know what, Dayton? I apologize. You were absolutely right. And since then, I was aware of it. And I always mentioned when he did something great, I let him know it was great. Uh, or even if I don't let him know in the game, I let him know afterwards. I'm like, You know, man, you did a great job of leading your team and things like that. But it was funny. I was just, I always had the highest expectations for him. Um, and I pushed him to the absolute limit, but uh, it, was, it was. But see, that's the type of relationship we had. He could be honest and open with me, and I was able to listen, you know, and take that and and, and run with it. So yeah, so there's there there is your line between coach and friend. Okay, other things coaches do. You know, coaches have one on one with players. That's something that's important. Coaches make the decision for the best interest of the team. Okay, important. Best interest of the team. And that deals with, you know, just because you like somebody doesn't necessarily mean it might be the best interest for the team. If you're a player, players have teammates that they're closer with and things like that. And they may have a little biased opinion on who should be playing or who might not be playing or different roles players will make, you know. But as a coach, you are making the best decision that you can for the best interest of the team. Now, in some cases, you absolutely do need to make the best the best decision for the player. You know, the players are also important. And that, that is a factor. But we want to make sure we're thinking of team first, okay? And the last thing I want to mention, and I mentioned this earlier, is as a coach, you are creating an experience for your athletes. That is what you're doing. You're creating the ultimate experience for your athletes, and that is your goal. Anytime I sit down and plan a season, plan a practice, plan a program, the number one question I ask myself is, how am I creating an amazing experience for my athletes? Because I always say, 30% of our game is tactical and technical, and 70% is everything else. And I may have coaches that disagree with me, but I've been coaching this game at a competitive level for just about 13 years. And I can tell you in my 13 years of coaching, that has been true 100% of the time. When you are thinking about the 70%, when you're thinking about the experience for your players, differentiated instruction, how to be more an efficient coach, you know, that's when we start talking about more wins, faster player development, better culture, championship culture, championship programming. That is what we're talking about. All right? So really quickly to summarize here. What have we talked about today? We've talked about the fact that you got to be in a coach's mindset. You have to be that championship coach. You have to act and behave like that championship coach. Not player, but coach. Every athlete is different. Just because you do it one way doesn't mean they learn that way. And We talked about different types of learners and strategies you can do to, you know, cater to those different types of learnings, learners. We talked about stop playing with your players. Coaches, please stop playing with your players. You, no one's getting better when you do that. You're getting a good workout, sure, but we we need to be ass, uh, assessing and giving feedback. Players don't season plan. We do. Players don't create player profiles. We do. Players don't practice plan. We do. Players don't design and develop systems. We do. Okay? We talked about the line between coach and friend. We talked about one-on-ones a little bit, you know, long-term goals for your players. Make sure you have those, those one-on-ones making the decisions for the best interest of the team. And last but not least, we talked about creating an experience for your athletes. And I mentioned that, you know, that's one of the number one things I look at when it comes to my program planning is how am I creating the best experience for your athletes 100% of the time, all right? So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. If you are on the fence about DVA, this is if you're listening to this before June 15th, Honestly, it's the best time to get in. The price is going to be going up, uh, and I, I can only I'm telling you, we're just getting started. I'm going to be adding so much more value inside DV than that what's already in there, and what's already in there is seeing coaches build championship and successful volleyball programs, and it's amazing to see that. So if you're if you want to learn how to create a successful a championship volleyball program, in addition to getting the live training and coaching calls, the access to our amazing community and all my courses, I mean, it's the best place for volleyball coaches. So digitalvolleyballacademy.com, can't wait to see you inside. And that's it for me. I will see you guys next week on another episode of the Volleyball by Design Podcast. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look.